The following audio is from The House in Rogers, Arkansas. More information about The House Church can be found at www.welcometothehouse.com. We are in our third week of understanding the why. And the reason that we are going through this, uh, this, this sermon series is because it's important for us to review the fundamentals. Fundamentals of, are everything. Anything that you play, everything that you do, there are fundamentals. No matter what's going on in your life, you've got to get back to the basics of why you do what you do. And when we understand the why, there is a connection to what we practice. And it's very important as believers that we have a connection. I want to start out talking about the Holy Spirit and I want to give you two quotes from the Bible. Let's look at the first one. Galatians chapter 5 verse 25 says, "If we walk in the spirit, let us all if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit." 2 Corinthians 3:17 says, "Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." And ultimately, as a believer, we don't see that God just sent Jesus to die on a cross to save us for our sins. We believe that that is the beginning of the Christian life. And, and for old things to be passed away and all things to be made new, you go from, from needing Christ to be your Savior to moving and then being productive and helping build the kingdom of God. On Thursday, I took a crew of uh, kids to Silver Dollar City, and, and it was my wife was in Belize, so it was just me. And uh, I, we went to Silver Dollar City, and can I tell you, there were a lot of questions. From the time that we left, we left at 6 o'clock and got back at 9.30. And from that time to when we got back, there were questions, questions, questions. Why, Dad? Mr. Steven, where, when? When are we going to be there? What happened? What are we doing next? What's happening after this? Questions were so many questions. And um, by the end of the day, when we got done, we were going to ride one more thrill ride. And um, I, I told the kids, I said, all right, we're going to ride one more ride. And, um, and it, was, it was not really an extreme ride. It was kind of a mid-level. And as we started to walk over there, they, I, I had a mutiny on my hands because they did not want to ride any more thrill rides. We, we did the powder keg, and I think I lost a few after we did that ride. You know what I'm saying? The, how fast it went off. Uh, I had a couple that were younger, and when we got done, they were like, never again. And so from that moment to riding on, we rode little rides, and it was fun. It was cool, but I was like, all right, we're going to ride one more ride. And so it really wasn't even one of the biggest. And so we're walking over there. And as we're walking over there to ride this ride, the, the question started, well, does it have any flips? How fast does it go? Does it go backwards? Does it, when does it stop? How long is it? What? I mean, it was like so many questions about this ride. So I had to take it very slow this time. I had to walk over there. We had to observe the ride. We had to see the kids smiling. We had to take our time. And I had to see, see, that kid's happy. You're not happy. Let's be happy. You know? And so, and so we, we walked through the whole experience and, and the, I was starting to kind of win them. And finally we had one kid that was like, okay, we're going to do it. And so the, 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 the kind of the culture began to change as we were there and they all got on the ride. And, and as the, as the um, arm came down and locked them in, you could see the trepidation on their face. The fear was real. You know, uh, I, I, there were a few of them that, that I thought... 
Um, it, the, you know, I, I was thinking that they're not going to make it through this. And so that we, we launched off and, and the fear was still there and no one was laughing. No one was excited. No one was, but as toward the end, we, it was like, yay. It was, it was, it, I wouldn't say it was jubilant, but, but it, was, it, was, you know, it, was, it was at least excited. And, and then when we ended the ride and I was, I was kind of waiting. I was kind of wondering what they were thinking. And they were like, let's do it again. They loved it. And they were like, let's do it five times. And I was like, well, we can only do it one more time uh, because I'm done. But, 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 and so we, we did the ride again. And this time they kind of knew what to expect. So their hands were in the air, just like don't care. You know, it was kind of fun. And, and, and it was good. And, and, and as I started to think about this um, whole experience, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. And I realize that some may have had a bad experience. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of teaching about the Holy Spirit. And I want to make sure that we know that the Holy Spirit is a part of a vibrant relationship with God. And God sent the Holy Spirit to help us, to encourage us, to guide us. And as we spend some time understanding who the Holy Spirit is and what He was sent to do, I believe our perspective will change and hopefully we'll no longer look at the Holy Spirit as some wild ride that only crazy people do, but that it, we will see it from a biblical perspective because I'll tell you this, the Holy Spirit's active work in your life is how authentic transformation begins. That it, it's, it's how transformation begins. Both Katie and I grew up in more of, well, I, I mean, I started, uh, you know, my religious Christian experience, I started in uh, Catholicism. And then, you know, my parents got divorced and we grew up in a more charismatic, non-denominational background. And both Katie and I were impacted by ex different experiences and pursuits of the Lord. And, and I was saved and water baptized as a child, as a teenager. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and I learned at a young age how to welcome the Holy Spirit and embrace the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we're grateful for our background. However, there wasn't much teaching. It was most experience. And so even though I had accepted it and, and it was more caught than taught, as I got older, I really could not describe it. I couldn't communicate it. And I really didn't know how to articulate what I had believed or experienced. And so I think that when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, there, there are two paradigms and, and there are two major um, ways of looking at this and that we have to be careful if we're going to be a church. Because the truth is there's two spectrums. There's one that I remember coming through the 80s and it was like, man, if church services didn't last four hours and people didn't get saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm saying? Demons cast out. Everybody was healed. It, the service was terrible. On the other end, it's like now church is more of a place where we hear a good moral teaching. And, and, and we kind of assimilate and process that moral teaching into our lives. And we go back and, and church is a little bit more self-help. And, and, and I think that there's a place where either can be way out of balance. Because we, we, we've seen it. We, we've seen uh, church cultures and denominations and things grow out of uh, an experience with the Holy Spirit that just got weird. Just got weird. But then we've seen churches that are so stoic 
that they preach a life-transforming gospel, but no one's happy, no one's smiling, everybody's addicted, nobody's overcoming anything, and everybody's broken in their spirit. And, and I think that there's a fine line for us to move and move on with the things of God and we still live here in this world. We still pay our bills. We still have to deal with people. And, and, and we still move forward as someone who lives here. Katie and I wanted to have a church where people felt welcomed and loved. And, but we also wanted a church that would embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I think that one of the major turnoffs is, you know, we never wanted to have a church where people walked around. Do you have him? Do you not have it? Do you have it? Do you not have And it's like this who's better and who's less and, and that whole concept. Because the reality is I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. I don't see where God gives us a gift so that we can feel spiritually superior to other people. He gives us a gift to use out of love to minister to people. And if we get it, it shows our spiritual insecurity because we're nanny, nanny, boo-boo Christians. And, and that's, that, that, I don't feel like that's what God came to do. And I don't know if that's how he sent his son so that we could be better than other people. I don't, I don't see that. And so as we talk about this, I want to make sure that we are moving our people to know how to accept freedom and to unlock freedom. Turn me to John chapter 14, verse 15. John chapter 14, verse 15. At the house, we have a deep end and we have a shallow end. And the truth is we want everybody to feel comfortable. We want anybody who walks in, it, and most of y'all have been here now for a while, but it's, it's very intimidating to walk into a group of people, especially a church, and not know, are these people crazy? What are they going to do? How are they going to interact with me? Are they going to be friendly? That's why we work very hard on a culture of being friendly. And let me just tell you, it is your, if you're a member here, it is your responsibility to meet Greet no people. Because here's the deal. Everyone's eyes are always on themselves. If we get our eyes off of people, our issues seem small and our love seems great. But if we're so absorbed by how we feel, then we'll never move into things that God has for us. John chapter 14, verse 15. Let's look at this. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. That, that's important. The world cannot receive. Because it neither, it neither sees Him or knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells... Now watch this. He dwells with you and will be in you. He will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, I, I'm not... I'm not an English major by any means. I probably, if you asked me to sit down and diagram you a sentence, I probably wouldn't be a boy. But, but, but the reality is, I remember speaking one time in Louisiana, and as we began to speak, I began to speak as soon as we were done, and we had a great time of ministry. People got saved. People were coming to the Lord. It was great. Altars were full. They left, and, and, and the service was ending up, and this guy comes up to me, and he goes, Hey! You're interesting. And that's kind of a weird sentence structure. 
I'm like, I didn't know whether to say thank you or okay or your mom. I, I, I didn't know really how to. You're interesting. I was like, oh, huh. And he goes, no, no, seriously, I study dialect and I study language and I'm, and I'm getting my, my master's in, in English dialect. And, and when you talk, you sound so weird. And I was like, thank Thank you. And he was like, no, no, no. It's like you've been a lot of places. It's like when I hear you speak, it's like a little bit of country. It's a little bit of Arkansas. It's a little bit of, you know, ghetto. It's a little bit of, it's a little, it's, a, it's like you're, you're very, you're very interesting to listen to. And I was like, thanks. And, and so I don't, I'm not, I'm not like this guy where I study the English language in my spare time for kicks, but, but I can understand the difference between he dwells with you and will be in you. Dwells with means he's with and dwells and, and will be in you means not yet, but is coming. And, and so I just want us to see this whole thing play out. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Also, it's very important for us to see that the world cannot receive. The world can only receive the five senses. That's what they can receive. They have to be able to touch it, smell it, taste it, feel it. They have to be able to do the five senses. And so if it doesn't, it doesn't, if it's not congruent with the five senses, it's very hard for people of the world to get a hold of what's really happening. You neither see him, you neither see him nor know him, but you know him because he dwells in you and he will be in you. Have you ever felt unwelcomed? I, my, the topic of what I want to talk about today is how to welcome the Holy Spirit in your life. Have you ever felt unwelcomed? I started to think about maybe this idea of, and I'm not talking about like you felt unwelcomed in your home or like you're a wedding crasher and you just showed up at someone's wedding unannounced. I'm talking about that where you're invited and you have the right and privilege to be there, but yet for some reason you, don't feel, you feel uncomfortable because you feel unwelcomed. You know, imagine that, that, that in this scenario... You think to yourself, oh, well, probably you, you look over the crowd and you realize, man, everybody's laughing and smiling and conversating and talking. And, and so you think, oh, oh, well, maybe they just don't see me. They're preoccupied. So you move closer into the room and you try to make a little eye contact. You're subtle. You try, hey, what? <laughs> and, and, and after a while, you realize it's not that they're preoccupied. They're ignoring you. You, you walk a little closer and they, they walk away. You begin to start a conversation and people turn their back. And you get this overwhelming feeling that you're not really wanted. And, and so in one more desperation, you walk around the complete room trying to find someone who will engage with you. And yet there is no one. And so you go in the corner and you sit waiting for someone to engage you. I feel like that's a lot of times that's how we treat the Holy Spirit. The one that God gave us to help us. The Bible calls him a helper, a comforter, the revealer of truth. And the reality is he is the one above all that we should be engaging and having a relationship with because without him we have to decipher what's right in our own mind. 
And, and have you ever known someone that thought that the actions that they were doing was wrong, right? But then you could clearly look and go, bro, what are you doing? Well, what, what, what? You know, people who, it's amazing, people who got into a situation where you can clearly see, hey, this isn't God's best for you, but, but they had discerned what was right in their own eyes. As we talk about this, it's important for us to know the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. We read in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, it says this, For there are three that bear the record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these are three in one. And I don't want that word ghost to freak you out. You can be ghost, it can be spirit. We're not talking about like a holy Casper. You know what I'm saying? We're not about to go to Hogwarts. Yeah, the, the reality is that, that God sent Jesus and paid a debt and left the Holy Spirit so that we could do the work that God had called us to do. And so I want to walk through the functions real quick. God is the Heavenly Father. He is the giver of all things. Jesus is the Son of God, the Word, and the only way to the Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit is the teacher who reveals all truth and gives us power to live the Christian life. And there is power to live this life. The Bible especially says in the NIV and the NASU, it says water, spirit, and blood. That's the same thing. We know that God is spirit, that water represents life, and the blood in the Old Testament was for atonement. Jesus was the spotless lamb that shed his blood. That was the plan, and that's always been the plan. In other words, in the Old Testament, they didn't believe God. In the New Testament, they didn't believe Jesus. And now we have a problem believing the Holy Spirit. We can see that very clearly. Who is your God? Who is Jehovah? Who, I mean, all in the Old Testament, people were trying, well, who is it really that you're serving? In fact, even when the first kingdom was established, they, the children of Israel wanted a king like other nations because nobody respected them because they served an invisible God. They didn't want God. And Jesus, the religious people thought, what are you talking about Jesus? They were praying for the Messiah, but when the Messiah came, they thought he would be a ruler like David, and they expected a warrior, not a servant. And they couldn't, they couldn't accept Jesus. In fact, Jesus on the cross says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And now we are in this dispensation, and it's very hard for people to digest the Holy Spirit and his power. And so what we do is either we, either we ignore him or we marginalize him. And, and if we're going to be a thriving church, there's no way we can do that. I am a father, I am a husband, and I am a son. All three have different functions, but all three are the same. So this three-in-one concept is not hard. Water can be a solid, a liquid, and a vapor. God has a plan, Jesus does the plan, and the Holy Spirit reveals the plan. That's the function of the three. God has the plan. He's the one from the very beginning that established all of this. He knew from the end, from the beginning. He's omniscient. He's omniscient. I can't speak. You know what I'm saying? He is, <laughs> he is omnipresent. He is omniscient. You know what I'm saying? He is everywhere all the time. And so God knows the plan. The Holy Spirit did the plan. He was the Word that, that was made flesh to dwell among us. And Jesus moved through God's plan. And the Holy Spirit helps us reveal the plan. 
He reveals the plan to us. And we are made in the image and the likeness of God. Our body also operates three in one. We have body, mind, spirit. Mind is interchangeable based on what, ter- what, um, what Bible you have. And it may say soul. Body, soul, spirit. We are made in His image. Our mind causes everything to work and giving us the ability to have direction and, and make decisions. Our spirit wants to worship. Our body, our mind, all these three, we are three in one. So why do we need to teach on the Holy Spirit? Because there's been so much taught against it. It's been the same in the Old and the New Testament. There has always been a regeneration, an indwelling, a restraint, and an empowerment. So let's talk about the Old Testament real quick. There was a regeneration. God created life. That life sinned. We know about Noah. Okay? Then then there was regeneration. Life had to begin again. Life had to begin again. See, Noah, people think, oh, well, God was mad. Well, God was so mad. God was depicting a story to show you that you can be born, but then there has to be a, 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 a new life, a new resurrected life. And the reality is when Adam and Eve sinned, God clothed them. They were naked, and God clothed them and sacrificed an animal so that they would be clean. But man grew wicked. And God said, you know, listen, this is not why I created them. And there had to be a regeneration, then an indwelling. What did God say? No longer am I going to just be someone who comes and talks, but I am going to set up a tabernacle. I'm going to set up. God moved in the Old Testament in kingdoms. There was a covenant, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Does that make sense? And so he dwelt among them. He dwelt there. It started out as a little tabernacle that they carried around, and then it moved to the tent of meeting, and then it was a place, a holy place. Then there was restraint. There was always restraint against God's people, trying to steal from them or tear apart what God wanted to do. But then God always empowered someone to do something to help move the people of God forward. Is this right? That's Old Testament. New Testament, same way. Jesus his, that, him, him being baptized by John the Baptist, him going, and, and, and the heavens opening up and saying, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Indwelling restraint. He can't just do what God wants him to do. There's all this restraint. People questioning his every move and empowerment. Jesus doing supernatural things to build the kingdom. We see it. This morning, I want to give you four benefits of welcoming the Holy Spirit. The first is this. Four benefits of welcoming the Holy Spirit. The first is this. He convicts us of sins. He convicts us of sin. It's very important. It's easy for us to just live in our sin. Yes, the blood of Christ covers us, but sin is still leads to bondage heartache and confusion i understand jesus died on the cross we are all free from sin but sin when we chase sin and when we begin to you don't believe me it'll lead you to bondage sin leads to death you don't believe me go out buy some drugs try it for about three years and see if your life is any better or not but i'm going to tell you what's going to happen everything in your life is going to deteriorate Because that's what happens when we let sin in. Go ahead and let some men be on the internet for a little while. 
and they just clicked on, you know, nothing bad. You know, it started out with Sports Illustrated. Then it moved to Nothing Illustrated. And see how your relationships thrive. See what happens. Because the reality is, there is something in all of us that wants to cling to what we can control. And there's an addictive nature in all of us. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be food. It can be depressed. It can be control. It doesn't matter what it is. But we tend to move towards something that we feel like we can control that will give us pleasure. Have you ever been in a situation where you did something that you did not want to do? I didn't want to act that way. I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to do that. Ah! Well, if you're doing something you don't want to do, who gives you the power to say no? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going there. I'm not going. It is the Holy Spirit. Because the bottom line is, when, the disciple, when Jesus left the disciples, they had no power. They had no power. That's why all of them left. One of them killed himself. They had no power. That's why Jesus said, don't do anything until I come back because when I give you this power, you're going to be able to stand in the midst of great adversity and you're going to be able to move forward instead of cower back. It's important for us to understand. It convicts us of sin. As we give into sin, it separates us from the Father. Guilt and shame become the leading factor in our life. We start to disconnect from our calling, our friendships, and our church family. We begin to work harder on perfecting, come on, the mask, rather than applying this message. Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. Oh, praise God. And that's why people sometimes look at the church and go, you guys... Act like you have it all together. But I know some of you. And so our message is not that we have it all together. Our message is that we are broken people that without the Holy Spirit and without God's move in our life, I am very nasty. I am very mean. I am very controlling. Does that make sense? Without that, you wouldn't like me. Because I don't like myself when I'm like, does that make sense? And so we're not a church of hypocrites. We're a church of people trying to pursue the Lord and having Him change and transform everything in our life. Well, you know, I just can't go to church because I'm not going to be fake. Oh, I hear that. I'm not going to be fake. Okay, can I just tell you this? You're going to have feelings. And those feelings are going to be contrary sometimes to your faith. You're going to want, for some reason, someone's going to cut you off and all of a sudden your hand's going to go up and you're going to feel like that middle finger needs to show up. <laughs> I don't know why. I love Jesus, but I've got words coming to my mouth that are nothing holy. We, well, for some Christians, the devil comes in and moves on their mind thinking, well, if you were a good Christian, you wouldn't think that obviously you've missed it. Obviously you don't have it all together. Who are you? Who do you think you are? Because the Bible says the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. And if he can get you to step back from fellowship, he will. That's why you need some power. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. 
when we start to disconnect from our calling and our friendships and our family, our, our spiritual life begins to deteriorate. We begin to work harder on things that don't matter. The Holy Spirit was sent by the Father to fill the void in our heart. Why? The Holy Spirit we're talking about, it convicts us of our sins. It teaches us what God wants. He helps us understand the Word of God. Have you ever read the Word and you're like, I have no idea what it's talking about? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so there are some things that you have to study. There are some things that you have to look up. I mean, it, some of it is historical. You have to look it up for, to understand it. But there are some greater concepts in this book that you need to have illuminated to you. Come on, it's very hard to find something in the dark. I got, I got a little lamp by my bed, and there's times when I hear the kids at night, I'm, <laughs> but, but I need, when I get a light on, I see clearly. The reality is the Holy Spirit is that illumination that when you begin to read this, you welcome Him into your time and your study, and then it's you reten the retention, the retaining of what you're doing is a whole lot more effective. It will help you with the Word of God. The Holy Spirit knows the will of God. The Holy Spirit knows the perspective of God. Don't live life without the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to move through this real, really quick. Are y'all with me? We good? Yeah. Romans chapter 12, verse uh, 1 and 2. I, I want to show you this real quick. Um, many of you have, have read this, but... I think it's good for us to read again here. Acts, Romans, there you go. Um, Romans chapter 12, uh, it says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, that by the mercies of God to present your bodies, say bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say mind. mind. That is, by testing, you may discern what the will of God is and what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's interesting that it talks about the body and talks about the mind, but it doesn't talk about the spirit. The reason is, is because every part, you are made up of three parts. We just read that, three and one. You are made up of three parts, and every part has a voice. Every part has, has, a, has a movement, and, and it begins to speak. And so what you need to see is your bodies, the voice of your body is called your feelings. Your feelings. That, that, that's the way it speaks, is your feelings. Come on, I remember it may not be that appropriate, but I remember when I was back in the 90s, there was a song that many of you would know. Come on. My mind's telling me no. <laughs> but my body. Somebody like, did we just sing that in church? <laughs> your soul and your mind reason. Reason is the voice of the soul. Reason. So, so your body has feelings, your soul or your mind has reasons. That's why many times in the Old Testament, it, what, they didn't initially sin yet, but they reasoned in their heart. They reasoned. In other words, when you begin to reason, you begin to doubt the Word of God by what you can see, what you can taste, what you can touch, the five senses. 
And so it's very important for us that in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it begins to say that you are responsible for your mind and you are responsible for your, for your, your, um, your body. But your spirit, the voice of your spirit is your conscience. And when you are saved, your spirit, man, begins to start to regenerate. And your conscience, all of a sudden, you, there's something deeper in you that says, I'm not going to do that, or that is wrong. And you've got to tell your mind, and you've got to tell your body. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I beat my body daily into submission that it may know Christ. I don't go by my feelings. I don't, I don't, I'm not led by just reason and facts and figures. I'm led by something deeper and more spiritual than that. And I'm spiritually connected to the Father. The second thing is, it leads us in freedom. Romans chapter 5, 8, verse 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Come on, if you want to move in freedom, if you want to break addictions and break bondage and break these things, these habitual habit patterns in your life, you've got to be free. The Holy Spirit allows us to overcome. Overcome. Romans 8.38 says this, 8.37 says this, Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. And this isn't just an algebra formula or an equation or some metrics that you should do good because of this and you should do this because of this. That all in the Bible, there were tremendous odds, but yet God overcame. And I want to tell you that whatever you're facing today, God can overcome in your life. Anything that comes against us. Jesus didn't want the disciples to stay and have ministry with no power. He knew the enemy would throw confusion, doubt at them. A relation with the Holy Spirit will begin a lifelong process of guiding you out of addictions, brokenness, and bondage. The third thing is this. The Holy Spirit gives us power for service. I love the fact that we just had a Belize team move and go for a week to, to serve, and it's amazing how that service unlocks potential and ability and vision and dream. And now I've talked to four or five of the men that went on the trip, and they're already talking about this and that. We could do, and you know, and I, oh, yeah, yeah. Why? Because they got in a position where they were used. See, he gives us the power to act. God truly is a good father because he gives us the tools that we need to be victorious. He will strengthen you. He will encourage you. Yet, the only thing that God requires is that you come under his lordship. The power to make a, a difference comes from God, not from leadership skills or developing your personality. It comes from the Lord. Church, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would stoke a passion in your heart to live missional where you would allow Him to consume anything in your life that doesn't bring Him glory. 
That we would build the kingdom, not just visit. That we would tithe and not tip. That we would overcome fear with faith. And that we would not sit, but we would go. We would go. He gives us the power to be a witness. Look, Paul wrote here in 1 in, in Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, my, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticement of words or man's wisdom, but in demonstrations of the spirit of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but the power of God. In other words, people don't want to see great thinkers They want to see the transforming power of the Lord work in their life where they could not get over this issue, but now they're free. They could not get over this divorce. They could not get over the abandonment of a parent. They could not get over a sickness. They could not get over, but yet God moved in them and through them, and now they're walking in victory. Come on, we've had people in our church addicted, broken, And the world says there's no way that they can ever turn around. But that's not what the Spirit of God says. And so are we limited to just what Fox News or CNN says? Are we limited to what just doctors say? And I'm not not marginalizing. I mean, your kid's sick, take them to the doctor. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if we limit to only their perspective, when my mom... My mom had cancer in her brain. And the doctors told us, listen, you need to understand, get her will ready. She does not have that long to live. She's still here. Now, is that that because of great physicians? Absolutely. And did we deny physicians because we were believing God? No. We worked with physicians. They did what they did, but the whole time we prayed and believed God that that her life would not end short and that she would fulfill her assignment and she would fulfill her days. And so she's still here. We're still calling. She's coming to visit right after Easter. And guess what? And I can't tell you for a year how many times they said, well, just get ready. Get ready. All I'm telling you is we don't take it just because that's how it's said. We believe and we pray. We're not idiots. We don't put our head in the sand. But but the reality is we have a higher uh, word that is higher than the word of man. And we need to know that. He gives us gifts. We're talking about acts of service. He gives us gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1 says this. Do we have that 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1? It says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's what it says. I can't tell you. Listen, when the church of God is ignorant, well, we, we believe in Jesus, we believe in God, but the Holy Spirit, that's kind of weird. Now you're talking about gifts. Uh, is there any wonder why people look at the church and like, okay, you, you sing songs and you talk about God, but you're really no different than the Lions Club. You come together, you pay money, and you all kind of do good, good things. 
The church is much more powerful than the Lions Club. The church is much more powerful than some Rotary Club. Does that make sense? We have a supernatural God that wants to move through us and He's given you gifts. There are gifts in your life. The gift of the Spirit flows out of love, not out of pride. We don't get these gifts and... and, and you're so happy you're a, you're a mighty morphin power ranger rocking around with your gift. That's, that's, you, you missed it. Your gift will be accessed. I'm going to tell you this. Your gift will be accessed when your heart has compassion towards somebody else. Jesus was broken when he saw compassion. He had compassion for somebody. What the Bible says, there was this moment where the Bible, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He had compassion. And then what, after, what happened after compassion? Gift. There is a gift in you. When we begin to feel God's love for someone, that's when the gifts are unleashed. God is reaching out to them through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that flowed through you. The Bible mentions gifts, gifts of wisdom, knowledge, the gift of faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation, administration, helps. God covers it all, and you have gifts. And my encouragement to you would be to lean in and begin to develop those gifts because the Bible says don't be ignorant of these gifts. The fourth and final thing is this. He refreshes our spirit. He refreshes our spirit. When we welcome the Holy Spirit, He refreshes our spirit. And can I tell you, there's way too many relationships out there right now that are trying to hold undue expectation because we demand that our friendships or our relationships our marriages, or our kids meet our relational demands. And they cannot. They're going to fall short. My wife had to learn long ago, while I'm going to attempt to meet her needs, there's a lot. I can't get all of them. She was going to attempt to meet my needs. She can't get all of them. So do we put pressure on each other for the rest of our lives where neither one of us measure up because neither one of us can meet the need? Or do I need to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit and welcome Him so that He can infuse into my life hope and love? That doesn't nullify the fact that I have to attempt to meet needs. Some of you men were like, yeah! <laughs> no, 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 you missed it. You still got to work hard. However, we just have to know you can't do it all. The Holy Spirit refreshes us with hope. And when you spend time with the Holy Spirit, you spend time in His presence, it's, it's a time when, when, when you, the confusion begins to go away. Your hope is restored. Your love for people. Come on, many Christians are just drained. They have the right knowledge, but they're empty. We know there is a God, Jesus, don't go to hell. We know, 
But sometimes we have to be fueled. And the fueling power is the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And the hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who He gave us. We have to take inventory of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. Here is who God said. God said that I'm with you. God said that I'm going to strengthen you. God said that I'm going to help you. God said that I'll uphold you. God said that I'll uphold you with my righty right hand. There is peace and comfort that is waiting for you. And the Holy Spirit will help your spiritual life thrive. However, it's sad that many miss a greater experience because they see or they believe or they've been taught that Salvation's all that's needed. The Bible does teach us that we receive the Holy Spirit at the moment we surrender our life to Christ. That's why we read the verse. He, is, he dwells with you and He will be in you. Those are two different thoughts. In Romans chapter 8, verse 10, but Christ is in you. Your body is dead to sin. Your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And 11, the spirit... And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Great, we have that. But there is a greater measure of the Holy Spirit and it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 20, verse 21, turn there real quick, just so that you can see this. And then we're going to be done in just a minute because the music's playing. Romans chapter 20, verse 21. It says this. Now Jesus... What was it? John chapter 20, verse... What was it? What did I say? John chapter 20, verse 21. I got it. I got it. John chapter 20, verse 21. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, now let's, just, let's just think a second. If Jesus breathed on every disciple and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, why would they have to wait to receive the Holy Spirit again? I don't see that Jesus really mixed words or was not on a detailed plan. Jesus knew the end from the beginning. And so if Jesus, it seems a little redundant for him to give him but not give him enough or give him but give him some, but really you, I'm going to give you a The Holy Spirit is not like crack where you, I'm going to give you a little bit but you can have more later. But the reality is, listen, I just want you to see that this was their salvation experience. This was the moment that their spirit became alive to Christ. Because you need to know that in Mark, Mark comes from the perspective of Jesus as king. I mean, Matthew comes from the perspective of Jesus as king. Mark comes as Jesus the servant. Luke comes as Jesus the man. But John shows us Jesus as God. And what was happening was very strategic because the first Adam had to have life breathed into him and the second Adam came and breathed life and it was a salvation experience and it was a representation of what God did in the garden. I am giving you life. 
and he blew in their nostrils and they received the Holy Spirit. But Jesus still said, do not start your ministry until you receive the Holy Spirit. All the disciples left and ran when Jesus vacated his place in their life. They could not stand. And what I'm telling you is, there is no way for you to be able to stand. Here is my assignment for you. Over the next couple weeks, especially this week, because I'm going to do a part two of this next week. But I want you to begin to read Acts chapter 2. I want you to read Acts. I want you to understand and get familiar so that we can move on. And because this is important, because if we negate the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're going to miss opportunities because we marginalize the presence of the Lord. The word Pentecost is a pretty spiritual word. It means 50. And, and I know that there have been some misappropriations with the presence of God and people making it weird. But I am saying to you that if you, if there are areas in your heart that you've been trying to break, what I'm telling you is I know that your spirit is alive in Christ. But maybe you need help from the helper, the comforter, and the revealer of truth. And that is the Holy Spirit. And that's the one that you want to activate in your life. And we need to understand the why so that we can clearly communicate it so that we can be free. Thanks for listening. To see what's happening at The House, follow us on social media at The House underscore NWA.